QAnon is the world's largest online political conspiracy movement. Followers believe someone codenamed Q is providing them with secret information from inside the White House. No one really knows the real identity of Q though. We aim to change that. I'm Jake Hanrahan and this is Q Clearance, a podcast series aimed at unmasking the true identity of Q. This is brought to you by iHeartRadio and Kudata Media. In this first episode, we'll be getting to grips with what QAnon is, for those that don't know, looking into the history of this strange movement and hearing from some of the main researchers involved in trying to dismantle QAnon. On June 15th, 2018, a man blocked a bridge near the Hoover Dam with a homemade armoured vehicle. Inside, the man held firearms and 900 rounds of ammunition. It's a man in FBI custody tonight after blocking traffic on the Hoover Dam bypass bridge with an armored truck. Arizona troopers say Wright had a handgun and rifle inside the truck. And a note that read, release the OIG report according to police. He did this as a protest, demanding that a report he'd heard about via an online conspiracy be released to the public. This conspiracy theory started in October 2017. That's when someone calling themselves Q Clearance Patriot first wrote a public message on the notorious 4chan website. The original poster, now known as Q, inferred that they were a US government insider with knowledge that would expose a deep state conspiracy within American politics. This spawned what is now the QAnon phenomena, a conspiracy theory so complex that it's formed a cult-like following. Many of its followers think Q is associated with Donald Trump and that he's cryptically communicating with them via obscure image boards online. Hundreds of thousands of people across the world believe in this now and as a result, QAnon has torn families apart, led people to violence and is even infiltrating the highest levels of government with disinformation. Now, in 2020, more than 70 US congressional candidates have either shared or outright endorsed QAnon material. And President Trump himself has even given a veiled thumbs up to the movement. During the pandemic, uh, the QAnon movement has been appears to be gaining a lot of followers. Can you talk about what you think about that and what you have to say to people who are following this movement right now? Well, I don't know much about the movement other than I understand they like me very much, which I appreciate. But I don't know much about the movement. At the crux of the theory is this belief that you are secretly saving the world from this satanic cult of pedophiles and cannibals. Does that sound like something you are behind? Or well, I haven't, I haven't heard that, but uh, is that supposed to be a bad thing or a good thing? I mean, you know, if, uh, if I can help save the world from... As I've already mentioned, outside of what the conspiracy community is saying, nobody quite knows the true identity of Q. We want to change that with this series, so we'll be looking into the many different theories surrounding this, such as the idea that the Q account has changed hands, that it's a left-wing hoax, and that it's been a way for online grifters simply to make money off of adverts on their websites. We're going to get into the intricacies of what QAnon is and isn't, what the followers believe in, try to wrap our heads around the confusing Q map, and I'm going to try and attempt to unravel some of the mysteries surrounding QAnon. Now, for me, this is something a little bit different because primarily I'm what you might call a war reporter. 
I've spent the last seven years working from various frontline battles across the world. I've reported from Syria, Iraq, Ukraine, Southeast Turkey, Palestine, all over the place. And I currently run my own grassroots conflict journalism platform called Popular Front. But as well as the war stuff, I've always been very online, spending hours and hours on obscure message boards, in internet rabbit holes, and looking into the proliferation of conspiracy theories. I know a bit, but I definitely need help with all the QAnon stuff, so I've recruited Sarah Hightower to assist with research. She's too shy to admit it out in the open, but Sarah Hightower is one of the best researchers of online extremism in America. She's completely self-taught and, in my opinion, understands QAnon better than any of the academics and the well-fed extremism experts working as talking heads for TV news. She cares deeply for the people caught up in this and after years spent recreationally online in some of the most fringe parts of the internet, Sarah effectively speaks the language fluently. As I do, she thinks it's incredibly important to shine a light on who actually is behind QAnon. Whoever the hell it is, they've been lying to people, manipulating people, radicalizing people and tearing families apart for like two years unchecked. So I think finding out who it is, who it was, and who it has been is very important because there's got to be some accountability. She's very eccentric, a bit of a weeb, and is kind of weird. And I don't say that in a bad way. I think that's what makes her so good. Sarah's also seen firsthand the effects of QAnon early on. It's uh, mid to late 2018. I had a friend of mine, uh, her parents stopped talking to her in real life. So she reached out to me and she said, hey, do you think this QAnon thing is a cult? And I was like, what are you talking about? And she started explaining that like her parents had started reading uh, these things called Q drops because apparently someone in the government with like a special clearance was sending these uh, super secret messages. And she said that her parents had stopped talking to her and that uh, her stepdad, I think, just spent all of his time watching QTubers. I was like, what is a QTube? And so that's how I learned about it. And then I tried to help her with her family. And that's when I was like, oh, this is this is actually like a cult cult, isn't it? And it is. So clearly we're both critical of QAnon. Sarah thinks it's some kind of cult. I think it's a bit of a madness. But to give the listeners an idea of what direction I'm taking with this investigation, it's worth knowing now that I am not a supporter of Hillary Clinton. I am not a supporter of Donald Trump or any of the others. You've probably noticed I'm British, and whilst I am not a particular fan of any politician or government, I don't really have a dog in this race. I am not apolitical, but I'm just not that interested in the shrill partisan politics that have seemingly taken over in the US. That's what it looks like over here across the pond. Of course, a lot of people will say, what do you know, you're British, forget about that, don't worry. This is about the QAnon investigation. What I am interested in is how QAnon grew so huge so quickly and who's actually behind this. This podcast is not trying to mock, demonize or laugh at QAnon believers directly. What we are trying to do is lay out why anyone that's involved in QAnon is QAnon curious or has a family member set adrift with this uh, conspiracy, why they should consider rethinking their positions. That and to simply report on our findings whilst looking into the true identity of Q. We're not going to scream at you, tell you you're insane or gloat, but we are going to point out with evidence why we think QAnon is a complete hoax. 
First things first, for anyone who's out there still saying what the fuck even is QAnon, let's tackle that bit to begin with. Now, personally, I would describe QAnon as the largest, somewhat decentralized online conspiracy community on earth right now, as I mentioned at the start. The followers believe that the Donald Trump administration will bring upon a new political age where Democrats are hanged for treason, leftists are rounded up and imprisoned, and a political deep state trying to rule America from within will be defeated by Trump and Q. They think Q is a high-level political operative within the circles of the White House. They think that he's chosen image boards such as 4chan and 8chan to secretly relay information about the aforementioned plan to wreck the deep state. Now, I know that sounds outlandish, but remember, hundreds of thousands of people across the world believe in this now. And big political figures in America have been openly speaking about Q as if it's a normal thing. The messages that Q posts are known as Q drops and are often cryptic. They predict things that never happen and are veiled in this strange speak of misdirection. Now, it might sound a bit outlandish and kind of strange, but all of this was incubated in the world of online image boards. You might have heard of them, the Chans, 4chan, 8chan, etc. Let's scale back a bit to explain what these actually are and how they became the battleground for Q. Now, I would describe these image boards as arguably, for better or worse, the last bastions of the early Wild West version of the internet that many of us grew up with. I'm 30 years old, I spent a lot of time as about 14, 15, even younger on the internet before all the kind of rules came in, before social media really took over and you know it was a, it was a much more fun time. Um, but if you've never seen one of these image boards before, it's kind of an anonymous internet bulletin board where you can chat as well. So users will post up topics based on their own interest. Each post needs to be started with an image, replies create a thread which is eventually deleted. Nothing is archived on the actual image board itself. And trust me, 4chan is big and very influential on internet culture, even if you've never heard of it before. With around 22 million unique visitors a month, 4chan is the most well-known and most infamous image board. It was first launched in October 2003 by American programmer Christopher Poole, also known as Moot. Moot ran 4chan for 11 years before stepping down to go work for Google. 4chan began as a place to share anime images and it quickly built its own online culture, almost indecipherable to people not familiar with it. Many memes, internet raids and historic online pranks were founded on the boards of 4chan. In recent years though, 4chan became known as a place that incubated the new alt-right in the US. It was linked with scandal after scandal as school shooters, Nazi terrorists and murderers all began posting up on 4chan. Despite this, most of the boards are actually completely harmless. For example, there's a board for origami, there's a board for Pokemon, cooking, DIY. It's all there, it's not all bad. The oddity of the chans though is that all these run in tandem with boards that promote far-right agendas, sexual abuse and anime porn. Now I know that sounds outlandish but remember hundreds of thousands of people across the world believe in this now 
and big political figures in America have been openly speaking about Q as if it's a normal thing. Trump's regular interaction with QAnon followers on Twitter is another thing that gives them belief that this is all real. For example, in July, he retweeted 14 tweets from an account supporting QAnon. Now, obviously, Trump isn't going to look at the bios and the accounts of the people he retweets. He probably should, seeing as he's the president, but he isn't going to do that. QAnon followers don't see it as a coincidence. They think it's him saying, yeah, I'm with you. And that adds more gravity to the messages that Q puts out online. These messages that Q posts are known as Q drops. They predict things that never happen and are veiled in this strange speak of misdirection. QAnons think this is all part of the plan, though. 4D chess at its most intelligent. Oh, and there's also a large helping of deep state paedophile theories to QAnon, some of which are based in the truth of Jeffrey Epstein's horrific elitist paedophile crimes, but most of which are based on complete fantasy and rampant speculation. For example, I was watching a prominent QAnon YouTuber a while ago and he said that him and many other QAnon followers believe that there's literally a video of Hillary Clinton executing a child, cutting off the child's face and wearing it as a mask. Somehow, such a video has actually never been released or seen, yet the QAnons are adamant that it exists. It's deeply disturbing stuff at times. Now, that's my basic explanation of QAnon and the various facets to what they believe, but let's hear from Travis' view. Travis is part of QAnon Anonymous, a podcast that spent years looking into Q and its different ideas. I would describe it as uh, both a very sort of complex meta-conspiracy theory that kind of connects every other conspiracy theory under its broad kind of umbrella, and also a kind of a community of, uh, of people who believe in this particular extremist worldview. I mean, the broad narrative uh, uh, adheres to a lot of classic New World Order conspiracy theories. They believe that the world's controlled by this satanic cabal of pedophiles who hold all the levers of power, including entertainment, uh, media and politicians, and uh, they further believe that uh, that that this cabal would have continued indefinitely uh, were it not for the election of Donald Trump. They believe that Trump, uh, you know, knows all about the cabal. In some instances, they believe that Trump has been planning for decades to assume the presidency to help take down take down this cabal. And they further believe that, uh, you know, Trump is, uh, you know, with the help of this uh, high level group of military intelligence officials known as Q team is sending out coded messages about this secret operation on uh, these image boards. Travis has done so much work into QAnon, exposing the many holes in their theories that he's actually become a kind of enemy of the movement. They'll often tweet about him angrily and take the piss out of him and his colleagues on YouTube videos, all the rest of it. They don't like him. Now, Travis thinks the QAnon account has changed hands several times from its inception on 4chan in 2017 to now. Uh, you know, even even if we we are kind of shaky on the details of who exactly was the original Q poster and who is now the the author of the Q drops, I do not think it's the same person. The way that QAnon followers determine what is and isn't a Q drop, as in was it from Q or was it someone pretending to be him, is by using something called a trip code. 
We'll go deeper into that in a later episode, but essentially a trip code allows an anonymous user to be semi-identified online. QAnons check the Q trip code and boom, to them, they know it's him. The QAnon trip code has changed once or twice and there's other people in the Q team's sphere of influence that have different trip codes determining their roles. For example, many QAnons think another poster called Q Plus is Donald Trump himself. Yeah, they really think that he's out there doing that. One anon YouTuber called Craig Mason that I watched has said it's completely obvious that Q plus is Trump because he once kind of sort of made this Q and a plus symbol in the air at one of his events whilst pointing to someone in the crowd. Um, yeah, it's it's weird. A Travis view is not convinced. I mean, yeah, Trump does this thing at rallies where he points at people or he points at a group of people by waving his uh, finger in the air, uh, and um, and he got so the QAnon community got got the idea that um, they that this is a se- secret signal to the QAnon community. I mean, I don't see it it looks like a circle to me yeah it looks more like a circle yeah yeah but but um it it uh yeah they they just got into the got into this uh this this idea that like basically every gesture every sort of subtle sign that trump gives off is somehow validating to their worldview so as you'll see the thing about QAnon that has helped some of the wild theories grow is that it doesn't take a lot for believers to see confirmation in the real world so they'll see a Q post and then often shoehorn in an offline event, such as a throwaway typo in a tweet or a hand gesture from Trump to prove that Q is who they claim it to be. After all, Q often says there are no coincidences. So then the followers think, yeah, that's not a coincidence. That was meant for us. It's kind of like if you look at patterned wallpaper long enough, you'll see a face in it. The face isn't meant to be there. It isn't really there, but somehow you can see it. It's the same kind of thing. You catch my drift. So this all ties back into the image boards being the place where Q speaks. They have a culture of mystery and far-fetched ideas that are often taken seriously, even through a hail of cynicism and people throwing insults at the original poster. People do still often take a lot of what is going out there seriously, even if it seems like everybody's telling them to go fuck themselves. Now, you might be thinking that 4chan hardly seems like a place where you'd expect a highly intelligent White House insider to go to to spread information that would ultimately help save America, according to the Q followers at least. What's more unusual is that Q quickly emigrated to an even darker image board, 8chan. 8chan is like 4chan's even more fucked up evil cousin. Like 4chan, it had a similar setup with the image board and what have you, but it devolved into something even worse. Specifically, it became a place for anonymous users to discuss the sharing of child abuse images. Pedophiles were actively posting on 8chan before it was removed from the internet by its web hosting provider. It's now called 8kun, but we'll get onto that in another episode. We'll also speak about the history of 8chan and how it became the way it is. But first, let's hear from 8chan's creator, Frederick Brennan. I had kind of always been involved in the like alternate 4chan universe. There's all these small image boards that don't really get any media attention or uh, they're not really noticed outside like very 
kind of people that are into internet culture. You know, you have like 7chan, 420chan. So you get like all of these small sites. So uh, I was basically like a web developer and my day job was doing uh, just freelance web development. And since I was already so into image boards, I became kind of friends with every image board admin, you know, at the time. I don't want to toot my own horn, but they knew that I was kind of a good programmer. Now, despite what I told you about 8chan just before Frederick started speaking there, keep in mind that Frederick Brennan didn't create 8chan for pedophiles and he is no longer in control of it. The Watkins family took the image board over in 2015. Watkins will be mentioned a lot throughout this series later on, but for now, keep that name in your head. 8chan basically started after I had a mushroom trip and... Uh, I just thought it would be really cool to have like this site that was like Reddit and 4chan combined. But I didn't have any illusions in the beginning. I didn't think it was ever going to be popular. So let's back up a second and ask the question you all might be wondering. Why the fuck would QAnon, a movement so determined to tear down a political deep state with links to a supposed child sex trafficking cabal, accept that its leader drop his leaked info on a website that allows pedos to communicate freely with each other? It makes no sense. It'd be like having an environmentalist give a speech at a Shell oil conference or something. But... If you ask QAnons, they'll tell you that it's all simply part of the plan, one of their many mantras. And even though they wouldn't say this, perhaps, the plan, from the outside at least, looks simply to be a way for them to achieve their political utopia by any means necessary. Any failed prediction can be explained away with the plan. A clear fake post becomes a clever red herring with the plan. When Q posted his first ever drop on 4chan on October 28th, 2017, saying Hillary Clinton will be arrested between 7.45am to 8.30am EST on Monday, the morning on October 30th, 2017, and it didn't happen, that was all part of the plan too. Hillary was not arrested, uh, none of that happened, but to QAnons, it doesn't matter. They can explain away anything. In this sense, as Sarah said earlier, QAnon has become cult-like in some way. Like most conspiracy theories, and arguably with most cults, there is a final endgame. For QAnon, it's the so-called plan that we've mentioned. I asked Travis View about this. I've never really seen them explicitly point out what the plan is. Now, I know they have the idea of getting everybody out and trying everybody for treason and hanging them. Um, but that is not a plan. That's like a goal, right? I mean, is there any indication to what they actually think the plan is? No, no, no. This is the funniest part. The plan that they're trusting is secret. Um, so, so, so they don't know what the plan is, but they are, they know they have to trust it because they think it's in, like I said, they think it's in Trump's hands. They think it's in military intelligence hands. They don't know what the plan is, but they, they're very convinced that there is a plan and it's going to result in 
like you said, the uh, the executions that they want, the uh, the sort of return to uh, the world that they want to see. I mean, a lot of them really believe that there's going to be utopia. They think there are hidden cures to cancer and other diseases that will be revealed. They think that this uh, this fake law called Nasara is going to get passed and make everyone rich. Uh, they think uh, you know that uh, you know that all the everyone will kind of realize that they were uh, right all along, and all their blue pilled normie lib friends will come crawling to them and saying, "I was so wrong, and I'm so sorry. You're so smart." Uh, you know, they they really think uh, that the world's going to be a better place, but because of this plan, and so they trust it, even though they don't know what it is really. So that is QAnon, internet image boards, Donald Trump, conspiracy theories, and blind faith, all meeting under the same umbrella, radicalizing each other further, and following an anonymous leader online. It's potentially quite dangerous. Just remember the man in the armored vehicle on the Hoover Dam Bridge. On the run-up to the US 2020 election, QAnon is being promoted more and more. The followers think they're going to make America great again, again, and have been spreading increasingly more erratic conspiracies about election night. As a result, Facebook has just banned all talk of QAnon on its platform after allowing it to flourish for years. This will likely push QAnon deeper underground, perhaps further increasing its radicalization. I think it's more important now than ever to truly dig up the ground and show who's the controller behind the QAnon conspiracy theory. In the next episode, we're going to look into the theory that QAnon is a prank led by a whole group of people, supposed left-wing activists. Q Clearance is brought to you by iHeartRadio and Kudeta Media. I'm Jake Hanrahan. You can find me online at Jake underscore Hanrahan. That's H-A-N-R-A-H-A-N. This episode was produced by myself with fact-checking by Sarah Hightower. The music is by Sam Black and the sound levels were mixed by Thomas Griffin at Splicing Block.